0: Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Word association with John MacArthur.
1: I used the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified.
0: It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior high. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel, and we're off. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q and A infotainment nationwide extravaganza. Featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and misses.
1: Any special message for all the kids watching at home?
2: What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country.
0: You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now, here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall free. The mail is here!
2: Ooh, Dunker Shane, may I call you darling, Dunker Shane for sending stuff! Stories, sermons, articles, anything wretched, including questions, comments, conundrum, snarks to idea at wretched.org. We are mooey grateful. So let's go to the mailbag, shall we? All right. From Nancy, she says, Todd, I have
1: been wondering what believers will look like in heaven. Well, humans who died as infants remain as babies forever.
2: That's oh, a great question. And it's actually a two parter. What will we look like in heaven and what will babies look like in heaven? What will old people look like? People who died in their 80s and 90s or older. What about Methuselah? What is he going you going to look really old. You know when you're 900 things tend to sag after the centuries pass. What will we look like in heaven? Will we all be in our prime in a in a in a perfected state? I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know the answer to that question. And I, but I think in an effort to apply some sanctified imagination, I do think that we can at least figure out the baby issue. The older issue, I, I, I don't know if somebody who is 90 will look like they're, what, 28? That seems a little odd, doesn't it, that we would look like younger than when we'd actually progressed on this planet. But when it comes to babies, the reason that I think that's I wouldn't make a law about this, certainly wouldn't start a church about this. But I believe there's going to be millions of babies in heaven. Millions. Why? Because they have not reached a level of accountability. And that means if you have lost a child, you have miscarried, you have experienced the tragedy of SIDS, you had an abortion. I'm telling you, you can look forward to a great reunion in heaven Will you be holding your baby in your arms? It seems that what would make sense is because a baby, they're they're not going to be able to communicate, or we're going to have babies who sound like adults. So here, quit touching my chin. That seems weird, doesn't it? So I suspect that your baby will be older, more adult-like. What will be the age? I don't know the answer to that question, but I can tell you there are going to be millions of lovely reunions when mommies and daddies meet their babies in heaven. And if you are not yet longing for heaven, got to point you toward Randy Alcorn's 50 days in heaven. No, that's not what he calls it. 50 days of heaven. (laughs) There's a difference. You can go watch. Somebody's probably been to heaven for 50 days. I suspect that YouTube video is out there by somebody. 50 days of heaven of oh the importance of prepositions heaven will make you long for heaven you can find it at wretched.org and as long as you're there send questions comments conundrums snarks to idea at wretched.org todd jimmy
1: well this is actually owen he says i was wondering if god rewarded righteous acts with material blessings on earth i know heretical prosperity teachers teach this but i wasn't sure if there was actually any truth to it
2: this is a bummer again I I think there are a number of extremes and really bad theologies that have so been promoted and heralded and they become so commonplace that if we ever hear any discussion about things like God giving us money, we like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think there's a tendency for us to feel that way when we talk about the love of God. Hold on, pal. Let's not get all sentimental here. Well, talking about the love of God doesn't mean you get mushy. It certainly is thoroughly biblical, is it not? But we blanch because so much abuse has been heaped on particular doctrines that we tend to avoid them, and that's to our own detriment. I do believe most of us, can't speak for you, so I'll just talk for myself, need to remember more the love of God in Christ Jesus, not so that we become watered-down liberals, but because that is what God invites us into, a loving relationship with himself. Isn't it weird to imagine you are loved by God because you are in Christ with more intensity than the heat of the sun, S-U-N. But don't feel that? Don't enjoy that? Well, let's not get carried away with that. Why not? It's biblical, and I think the same thing is true with God and money and rewards. I will go as far as to say God does indeed reward obedience. However, it is at his discretion. It could be money. It could be that he provides a new friend, a different neighbor. Somebody dies and you inherit a car. You get a new job. All of these gifts come from where? The Father of Lights. God gives us every good and perfect gift, and he does reward obedience. And I think that we need to be able to say that without crossing the line into give money to God and you'll get a lot back. When not it interesting regarding the prosperity hacks that it's always about money? It's never about, hey, serve in your church for 10 hours this week, and God is going to give you An apple tree or money. Now, it's always you give to get. It's a quid pro quo system. We reject that. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be saying, hey, God rewards obedience. He's pleased when his children are obedient and serve. I would even say that not only is he going to reward us here, again, at his discretion, it could also be rewarded in heaven. So you might not experience it here because it is just historical, and maybe this even describes you. You've been faithful, 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 but money has been short, short, short. It's because God has your treasures stored up for you in heaven and you will be rewarded then. It might not be now because God is perhaps determining he needs you in this place at this socioeconomic level because he's expanding his kingdom. And if you would like a fresh way to read your New Testament, here's a challenge for you. Read through the New Testament, one book at a time, any order, and notice how often there is a commandment for obedience because the world is watching. It's a command of obedience because God's doctrine shouldn't be sullied by our behavior. There's a command for obedience because God is building his kingdom. There's obedience that is commanded because God is saving sinners. That's... that's replete throughout the new testament that's god's primary business all of the other stuff is ancillary everything we do in life is aimed in one direction and even when you're not aiming in that direction you're aiming in that direction what's what's the destination of that direction it's jesus and him being glorified and that means everything that happens on this earth is going to glorify god in one of two ways The sinner who repents, puts their trust in Jesus Christ, lives their life in obedience to God, that will bring great glory to God. The reprobate sinner who shakes their fist at God, going to glorify God too. It'll just be through reprobation and not through salvation. Everything is aiming to glorify God. So if you're struggling financially, times are tough, health has got you down, remember God doesn't do anything to his children. He only does things for his children because he is about a greater business, glorifying himself through the redemptive work of his son. And in his kindness, he is going to reward you. Maybe not now. Oh, but you'll know all about those rewards in heaven. Please send emails to idea at wretched.org.
1: All right, from Daniel. Todd, I was recently reading about King Solomon in 1 Kings and can't help but wonder, based on the end of his life, if he wasn't saved, Yeah, how could a man who had godly wisdom fall into
2: such a pit? Here's a question for you. Do you think David is in heaven? You're more inclined to go, well, yeah, he was a man after God's own heart. Well, Solomon was initially, too. He wanted wisdom. He didn't want riches. He wanted wisdom. God said, I'm going to give you both. Then... He starts adding wife after concubine after wife, hundreds of them in violation of two clear biblical teachings. One, Genesis, a man leaves his parents and he cleaves to his wife. That That is one man, one woman. But then kings are commanded, don't take multiple wives, don't be like the heathens. And he violated that command. He made a hash of his life. And you wonder, did a guy like that go to heaven? Well, consider Hebrews chapter eleven. Lot is listed in the hall of faith. Lot, King David. Wow, what we have recorded about him is far more troubling than so- I mean Solomon. Most of it, though, it was it was political maneuverings with all of the wives that he had. David, woofed all what he did, and yet we believe he's going to be in heaven. Why do we get? some of these details about sinners. Now, this we got to be careful with this because we don't want to give license to licentiousness by saying, well, look, the Christian life is sloppy and it's messy, and don't worry about the boo-boos that you commit because God's really loving and he's going to forgive you anyway. Eh. But we can look at these great men in the hall of faith and go, wow, they weren't always very consistent, were they? And isn't that true of us? Isn't that true of you and me? We make a hash out of things too. I would hate for somebody to judge me based on one story recorded in a book a long time ago. Will Solomon be in heaven? Ultimately, don't know, but I suspect so. This is Wretched Radio. There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Master's Academy International. The biggest challenge for men attending TMAI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine, and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries in accordance with the Word of God. The Masters Academy International in Ukraine fighting a battle on two fronts. (laughs) You've got Russia, of course, and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine for biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel. Would you please consider supporting the Master's Academy International? Adopt a Seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor.
1: How would you like to be considered the second smartest person on the planet behind this guy?
2: It was, it was, it was, it was.
1: Okay, maybe that was a bad example. But what I'm trying to say is becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner is one of the wisest decisions you'll ever make. Gospel Partners Media is a 501c3 nonprofit meaning all financial gifts are tax deductible. But other than that why should you consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? Simple, because it's your gifts that help us create compelling gospel-centered content that reach millions of people all over the world. And we're members in good standing with the ECFA, the financial accountability folks who audit our books yearly to keep us transparent and accountable to our gospel partners. And 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. So, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us at gospel partners media just visit wretched.org slash donate to get complete details we think it's one of the wisest investments you can make
2: wretched.org slash donate let's visit a pre-born life center in action look at
1: that baby abortion pill reversal actually works that's a beating heart. Look how small it is.
2: Tell me, that doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. Twenty eight dollars purchases a free ultrasound. For a mommy who will choose life, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched.
0: Books of the Bible 1 Samuel tells the story of God's interaction with Israel through the prophet Samuel. When Israel asked for an earthly king, God gave them Saul, who, like Israel, drifted from God's law. So God commanded Samuel to anoint a new king, David, who was a man after God's heart. God does not look on the outward appearance, but on the heart. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Thank you, and
2: you might just be thanking me, Friel. I doubt it. This is Wretched Radio. If you have not taken two minutes out of your busy life to call 844-34-BIBLE, please consider doing so Toot sweet. That is the phone number for Metashare. It's affordable biblical health sharing. The average family saves $500 per annum. No per month. Double the customer satisfaction rate. Telehealth, $4 billion of medical expenses have been shared. You have every reason to take a whopping 120 seconds out of your day to see if MediShare is right for you and your family. They're very nice, so be prepared for kind treatment. I know. You tend to call most organizations these days, and you just brace yourself for battle! Now with MediShare. And don't freak out, but They're probably going to want to pray with you. You can visit them at MediShare.com slash Wretched to learn more, or I encourage you to give them a holla 844-34-BIBLE you didn't know we were that hip did you jimmy i didn't know you were that hip you are welcome (laughs) for that tidbit of metashare information and thank you for sending pretty much anything to idea at wretched.org
1: this one comes in from anonymous uh he has a question regarding covenants he's wondering to what extent if any do the old testament covenants apply to jews and
2: gentiles today (laughs) well depends on which covenant you're talking about you either have a two-sided covenant or a one-sided covenant and it depends on whether or not it's been fulfilled or abrogated. So let's just start from the beginning, shall we? I, 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 the Adamic covenant, it, yeah. I, I, I don't see the covenantal language in there, but some people like to say that was a covenant of works has, where you were supposed to be obedient to not fall into sin and punishment. But then we bump into a biggie. It's the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis 15 through 22 will provide you with the details. And I think the text tells us it's an ongoing covenant. It is never going to change. Why? Because God made it himself, not with Abraham, but for Abraham. And it was a promise of a land, a nation, and a seed. Israel, Jewish people, Jesus mosaic covenant was a quid pro quo covenant if you keep it i'll bless you if you don't i'll whack you then we see the davidic covenant there is going to be a king who reigns on the throne of david forever and ever and ever has that been fulfilled yep it's jesus christ and that will be an ongoing fulfillment but then we see interestingly in the book of jeremiah an introduction to a new covenant jeremiah 29 a new covenant is coming no jeremiah 31 a new covenant is coming It's a better covenant. Ooh, better than what? The Mosaic Covenant. How do I know? Because Hebrews 8 through 10 tells me so. The Mosaic Covenant, which is what is in view there, not the Abrahamic Covenant, not the Adamic, not the Davidic, but the Mosaic Covenant, blotto. Now, what do we do with that? And does this have implications? I do believe that it does. First of all, it's going to affect your hermeneutic specifically how you deal with the nation of israel connected with the new covenant promise that i'll put my law on their heart give them a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone who who's they israel has that been fulfilled no it is yet to be fulfilled for them that is why i don't believe that the church replaces israel we're grafted into israel and god has a future plan for israel and you can read all about it in Romans 9, 10, and 11. God is still going to keep his Abrahamic covenant about a land, a nation, and a seed. Furthermore, I don't think the text says it's it's a covenant that is going to end. How do you deal, however, with the Mosaic laws? What do we do with those? How do we understand them? It seems weird. Well, if Hebrews 8 through 10 says that the whole thing is set aside, well, what about the 10 commandments? What about all the information we learn about God for our theology proper? There's three ways that you can deal with the Mosaic covenants. Neither one of these ways makes you heretical or better than it's just three different ways of dealing with Mosaic laws. Number one, there's the three columns of law system that you've got ceremonial, you've got civil, and you've got moral laws. And you divide those columns because Hebrews 8 and 10 is just after the sacrificial, but he's not. And and maybe even the civil, maybe, but some people would actually say, no, the laws for Israel should be applied today to current cultures. Mm, But just the sacrimonial stuff is gone and the moral stuff stays. That's one way to do it. I think that has shortcomings. There's another way of dealing with the Mosaic laws, and that is how you view the New Covenant. Did it replace, if the Old Testament, if the New Testament affirms it, a precept inside of the Mosaic laws, then you keep it. If it doesn't, then you don't. I think there's a third column. And I think that, that third, the third column is the one that has the least number of issues. It's gone. And I know you panic immediately. What do you mean it's gone? Am I supposed to tear it out of my Bible? No, do not unhitch a thing. Instead, hermeneutically, we understand that whatever the principle is that we learn about God, it carries forward. Whatever the moral precept is, it carries forward. And that is why, for instance, we look at some of these law. uh, Gore, gore if your your ox gores a neighbor, you're going to do anything with that? Well, the New Testament doesn't affirm it. Well, how do you get rid of it? What is it doing there? What's the point of that? I can learn a principle from that. I think I talk about this in Herman Who. In fact, somebody wrote a booklet. (laughs) They, They saw Herman Who. Me talking about when your ox scores a neighbor, which is, uh, I believe, a Levitical commandment, that if your ox scores a neighbor, doesn't kill him, you, you kill the ox. But if it happens again, you're in trouble. In other words, there were punishments for not loving neighbor. Now, what do we do with that, especially when most of us don't own oxen these days? Here would be the here would be the principle that I would carry forward. We are responsible for our animals. And if an animal hurts a neighbor, I take responsibility for that. I'm going to deal appropriately with the animal. and if I and it might be putting the animal down depending on what it does. It might not be, but if it happens the second time, definitely, and I need to make sure that I make things right with my neighbor, whether it's the first or second time. All of that from when your ox scores a neighbor. So that is how I deal with the Old Testament Mosaic laws. They're gone, but the principles carry forward. If you'd like to see this in more detail, HermanHoo at Wretched.org. And while you're there, send emails to idea at Wretched.org.
1: Okay, this one comes from Brenton. He says, Hi, Todd. I was wondering how I can be more assertive while I'm witnessing I'm kind of soft-spoken, and I try to be polite and patient with people, but I get interrupted a lot, and the conversation tends to
2: get diverted. (laughs) Well, I want to make sure that I understand your definition of assertive. I think that we should be passionate. That can manifest itself in different ways. Some of us, it's just going to sound pretty intense. Listen to Ray Comfort Witness. He never raises his voice. He's never assertive. Oh, but the pleading. Oh, the please take this serious. I care about you. Please. So your 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 way of being, quote, assertive can look different. But based on the second part of that question, that you get interrupted a lot, that things go off track, well then maybe, just maybe, it's not about being assertive, but maybe just want to practice a little bit more and maybe just not provide those interruptions. And on those times when somebody interrupts, say, Oh, you know, just let me finish this thought. And then I'm happy to entertain whatever it is that you want to say. And then be yourself. And that is the, that is the best way that you could be caring about the person. That communicates so much. Please send emails to idea at wretched.org. Okay, this one comes from,
1: well, uh, she says, uh, I, I'm 29 years old. So
2: it's an Anani Moo. Well, no,
1: no, no, uh, kind of. She says, I'm 29 years old. Most of my college peers are now married, and God has blessed them with children. I've prayed for a husband since I was 21, a seriously godly man who loves to serve the people of God. Are there no godly men in my generation? <laughs> I look at people who lived, uh, who have lived to be married 50 years and admire them with great sadness in my heart. What yeah. should I do for I re- someone really sad?
2: Yeah, I, re- I, re- I received an, an, an email from a young man. I, I suspect he was 17. He said he was just about to become of age. And he said, I live in a small town and I look around and it's like, that. not only not godly women, there's just not many women at all. What am I supposed to do? I think there's some things that you can do to kind of expand your horizons, whether it's small town or not. You can avail yourself of other events. Let's say you go to a small Bible teaching church. Well, maybe you could go to a bigger church. There could be a Christian organization, Christian events. There could be Christian missionary activity. Uh, do whatever you can to be in a group of Christians. Furthermore, I do not think that it is a sin to avail yourself of Christian dating services with the eye to marriage. Some are better than others. Do your own research to make sure one is best for you. But that, that allows you to go searching. Now, you say, hmm, not sure about that. Well, just consider, what do we see with Jacob? Went, went to another country to go find a spouse? Why? Well, <laughs> he had to find a spouse. So there was an intentional effort to go get her. And you can do that too with a, with a dating service because there are godly men out there. There are godly women and they have the same lament as you. So expand your Christian circles. Avail yourself of those apps if you need to. But know this, God can provide you with a godly spouse. Just be faithful in the meantime. This is Wretched Radio.
1: This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Ken Paxton, the attorney general of the state of Texas, has released a statement and letter sent by his office to the Austin Independent School District, where he claims the district violated state law by creating a Pride Week-themed curriculum. In a statement, Paxton said that the Texas legislature has made it clear that when it comes to sex education, parents, not school districts, are in charge. And in response, the district superintendent, Stephanie Elizod, tweeted the letter she received and said that the school district is proud of all of its LGBT students and will protect them against political attacks yeah the only problem with that is that this is not a political attack against students it's holding the school district accountable for breaking the law but i guess the political attack line sounds a little bit better for propaganda the Daily Wire and host Matt Walsh have released a trailer for an upcoming film being released in May. In the film, Walsh travels all across the world asking leading experts the question, What is a woman? And from the looks of it, he didn't get very many, if any, actual answers.
0: What is a woman?
1: What is it? What is it? I don't know. Congressman, I think this interview is over. The Florida anti-grooming bill that has the entire left seemingly up in arms only had one protester this week. One. One and an Orlando news station felt the need to cover it.
2: We did see one protester. It doesn't look like the walkout had any big impact on park operations.
1: And here's an unsurprising development. The state of Idaho banned the teaching of any critical race theory in schools. So how did some teachers and administrators respond?
2: We're just learning how to worm around. Part of our strategic
1: plan deals with equity. And I bet the idiot mega crowd just ignores it because it doesn't have the critical race theory name on it, right? I, I hope so. Apparently, it's just not enough anymore to pass laws to ban things that protect children. So what's the answer if school districts and teachers are just going to continue ignoring the law? Do you start jailing them? The state of California has spoken. They're not going to be outdone by Maryland or any other state when it comes to murdering babies. A newly proposed bill in California looks to legalize infanticide by permitting perinatal death. On the surface, it looks like the bill seeks to protect pregnant women from prosecution who have an abortion. But... The details are all in the language, which specifically says, and I quote, a person shall not be subject to civil or criminal liability or penalty due to their miscarriage, stillbirth or abortion or perinatal death. And perinatal, that's not pre-birth, that's post-birth. This is sick. It's demented not only will california law allow for abortion all nine months of pregnancy but possibly even weeks after birth the obvious hatred that it takes to think something like this is a good thing it really astounds me more wretched radio is straight ahead i'm jimmy hicks
0: revelation how can anyone know god unless he reveals himself If God did not speak, religion would be nothing more than man's best guess. But God has revealed himself in creation, in the Bible, and in the person of Jesus Christ. We can know God, and we can be brought into right standing with him. This is Wretched Radio with
2: Todd Friel. Guess, go ahead and guess what famous evangelical I'm thinking of you never will. This is Wretched Radio. Then why tell us to try to think of it? Did you hear the last email that we received about finding a godly spouse? I couldn't help but think about Tim Tebow. Why? Well, I've been waiting for my opportunity to share this. Apparently, he's written a new book. He's married, and he's writing about their experiences. And I found that this little interview of him in the Christian Post is so important because no matter how many times somebody tries to persuade you, hey, when you're dating, it's not the same as being married. Tim, I think, demonstrates that perfectly. He says, marriage has taught him compromise and patience. That's what marriage will do. It will sanctify you or it will make you really red hot because you're living with another sinner. He shared how the two have learned to compromise and work as a team. In People magazine, he said when asked what he's learned about his bride, Tim Tebow said relationships can be a challenge. Now that's polite. But this is something that if you are younger and you're going to get married, you desire marriage, and maybe you're dating slash courting somebody right now, you need to start thinking about what marriage really is. Because if you're blinded to that, you will struggle. Tim Tebow struggled. That's right. St. Tebow struggled. Why? Because that's the way it is in marriage. You've got a sinner that you're living with, and so does your spouse and you put two self-centered individuals, and we all are, into one domicile, boom, 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 it's just a matter of time before there are fireworks. It is going to happen to you. And if you don't know what marriage is all about, that it is about growing in godliness, forgiving one another, playing our roles as Jesus and the church, you will not be equipped to deal with these things, to know what to do with them. You will not have a resource, a well to dip into, to find forgiveness, so take a lesson from Tim Tebow, the book that I like for marriage and preparation. When Sinners Say I Do, super helpful in helping you get oriented rightly before you say I do. Please send emails to idea at ratchet.org. Jimmy, did you guess I was thinking of Tim Tebow? I did not. Can I just tell you when you read that, that email about marriage, Uh huh. my pathetic little heart skipped a beat because it's like, what am I going to do with this Tim Tebow thing? When will <laughs> I ever have a chance to talk about? Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for your email sent to <laughs> idea at wretched.org. All
1: right. This one comes from Ken. He's wondering if watching video sermons and listening to sermon audio pleases the Lord, or should he rather, or should he just spend his time reading his Bible?
2: No. Oh, no, no, no. Do all of it. Do both of them. Do Yes. All of it. God is pleased with all of it. God loves preaching. That's. That's why we do it in church. God loves it when you read your Bible. God loves it when you put good worship music on and sing in your car. So don't either or it. You can digest your Bible in a lot of ways. Now, I would only offer one little caution about that. There are people, for instance, who have reading disorders. They struggle with just reading the Bible. I say listen to it on audio. Now, How much should you listen to the Bible slash read the Bible versus listen to sermons? It's up to you, but never neglect one for the other. Don't think, well, I got a sermon and we really dive deep into that verse, so I don't need to read the Bible today. I don't think that's wise. Don't want to make laws here. Can't come up with an hourglass to tell you how much time to spend. I personally spend, well, in the mornings it's less time because I want to kind of get apart about the day. So I only do about 60 hours of private quiet time before breakfast. And then in the evening, about 85 hours of private quiet. That's just me, though. (laughs) I don't want to brag or anything. You figure out your thing. Find the balance. And it's okay if on a different day, the balance is a little bit different, but don't ever neglect one for the other. And please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All
1: right, from Alan, he's wondering uh, if Paul told the Galatians that strict legalism was another gospel, would it stand to reason that strict antinomianism
2: could also be considered another gospel? Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course it could be. Antinomian is anti-law, no law, no nummus. Against the law. Now, this has manifested itself in a very clever way these days. I, th- I think it's waning right now. But I would say maybe eight, six, eight, ten years ago, hyper grace was huge. And it was so antinomian, varying degrees, but it was antinomian. Don't worry about your sin. Don't worry about sanctification. Jesus loves you. He's got you. Well, hold it. It's the very knowledge that Jesus forgives and that Jesus has got us that makes me not want to sin, not gives me license to sin. So whatever you want to call it, if it is antinomian and it is, and it is not about the issue of sanctification and understanding that God is holy and we need to seek to obey him, And certainly, if an antinomianism means no law prior to conversion, like, don't worry, you don't really even have sins to be forgiven. Well, of course, that would just be a false gospel. Emails, please. Please.
1: Idea at wretched.org. All right. This is an interesting one from Tyler. He said, Todd, I'm perplexed. I work for the government and just found out that they are hiring a Matthew who prefers to be called Vivian. (sighs) I seem to be the only one that doesn't really get it. And as a Christian in a leadership role on the team that he's going to be working on, how do I handle it?
2: Let's start with Romans 14. There are issues of conscience. As I stand here today, I, I, think, I think still, I know I could be persuaded, believe me. So if, if you've got a difference of opinion on this, send an email to idea at Believe me, I'll consider it because the Adi offering are always tricky especially as culture changes so rapidly. Romans 14 describes issues where different Christians are going to have a different take on it, and that it's okay that we disagree on some of these things and, and, and we 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 love one another through them. So I think this this is an issue of conscience. There are going to be some Christians who are like I I'm not going to rock the boat with this guy. I don't want to upset the person so I'll call him Vivian or whatever the name was. Others are going to be like, no, I can't participate in that delusion. I feel like I'm actually lying to that person. Whatever your conviction is, is going to guide this. Now, having said all of that, increasingly, I think that all of our responses to this are, are going to get shaped more and, and perhaps more thoughtfully and betterer as it actually starts to affect all of us. There is nobody. You, you're a pastor in a church. In this ministry, we're all we're all feeling this to varying degrees. And you are going to feel it more and more in your business. Do you participate? The whole pronoun business? It's an issue of conscience. But I think, though, at some point, it is quite probab- probable that we are going to have to start accepting. I'm not the exception. My Savior was discriminated against. He was persecuted. He was treated vilely. Why would I not expect the same sort of treatment? And it's not that it's a heel clicker. Oh, boy, I get to be fired today because I won't use the right pronoun. No, but in acceptance, we are a peculiar people. And remember, this is not about our comfortable lives. This is about Christ building his church. And we need to be really prepared, I think, to deal with the subject of persecution, which, by the way, is one of the subjects that we're going to be tackling next week. This is going to be so much fun, and yet I'm really agitated with Dr. Nathan Buznitz. He's the dean at Master Seminary. He's going to be flying into Atlanta, and we're going to record Wretched Worldview 2, and we're going to tackle issues through a biblical filter, each one of the lectures, give or take, about 15 minutes long. So we have a, fil- a seven-step kind of this is the stuff that you should be thinking about as you ponder issues du jour. So Nate, I call him Nate. He prefers I call him Dr. Booznitz. Nate just sent all of his text for us to prepare for the slides. Oh, his is so much better than mine. Oh, (laughs) he's so smart. So I guess my role in Wretched Worldview 2 is I'm going to make Nate look amazing. Please send emails to idea at wretched.org. You do that for me every day. Thank you. <laughs> and don't forget, Wretched Worldview 1, if you've never seen it, there's a study guide that goes with it. You want to light up your Sunday school. This Could we talk about guns, the environment, all of that stuff biblically? And if you've ever found it difficult to get people to say anything in your Sunday school class, it is amazing how suddenly an individual who is quiet and demure can become a chatty Cathy. <laughs> Or a chatty Kevin. Ah, whatever you want to use. <laughs> because they're talking about issues like the environment. You're talking about issues like global warming. You're talking about feminism. All of those issues. You're going to get a big response. That particular project was done with Dr. Owen Strand. We've replaced Owen with Nathan Boznitz. <laughs> Both of them. Honestly, as Justin Peters would say, that's some tall cotton. I am just a dunce compared to these two guys. Can't wait to see you, Nate. Please send emails if you'd be so kind with questions, comments, conundrums, snarks. Don't forget about stories, sermons, anything wretched. Idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. There are brothers and sisters in Ukraine who could use your help right now. Max, the Tomorrow Club's leader in Ukraine, visited us on the telephone to share the need that many believers in eastern Ukraine currently have.
0: Our focus was children evangelism. And right now, we have to walk away from that and really serve those families who had to escape our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West trying to meet the needs of those families it's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial.
2: Pretty unlikely that you can visit Ukraine to help those brothers and sisters, but there are hands and feet on the ground. The Tomorrow Club leaders helping out brothers and sisters in need in Ukraine to learn more about how you can help and support the Tomorrow Clubs, who we hope will quickly return to children evangelism. Learn more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org wretched.
1: Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org store. All of the resources that you'll find find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at Wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page? There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store Wretched.org slash donate wretched amazing grace
2: amazing gospel confession normally numbers aren't my favorite subject but these numbers make me happy MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared Bible.
0: (laughs) Hermeneutics. A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in Scripture is an epistle. Epistles are letters written to the church at large or to a specific church which contain doctrine, theological arguments, and practical application. God uses first-century correspondence to deliver His timeless truth. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No,
2: I'm not a prophet, but that's not going to stop me from prophesying. Like so many others. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. One eight seven seven two eight two beep. That is the number of the toll free. We encourage you to give it a holla and leave a message. We'd be. You have to say it that way, Jimmy. If you don't say it that way, it sounds totally dopey, and I can prove it. Please call one eight seven seven two eight two beep and give us a hala. We'd be grateful. (laughs) Got to do it. Why can't you just say give us a call? Because it's not cool, contemporary and hip. And that's what evangelicals are all about. That's true. Isn't it? So here's, here's my prophesying that all of these beep talks are church signs. I can't read the description in my sound gizmo thingy file here. But each one of them begins with CH. That tells me it's a church sign. Am I right with my prophecy, Jimmy? You are correct, sir. I think that I should go on tour. 1-877-282. Church sign, going the wrong way. God allows you U-turns. To... How did I know that? You may or may not remember the U-turn trend. Do you recall? I suspect this was almost, maybe more than 20 years ago. This is back in the day when Christian publishers of all stripes would send books. On occasion, there would be a good one. Most of the time, it was pragmatic, contemporary, watered-down, female-driven, unbiblical, life-enhancing, blah! And I remember this book, God Allows U-Turns. And you say, well, that's sort of right. Yeah, it is sort of right, but it is not accurate, and it's not biblical. God forgives. We repent. He forgives. Our sins have a debt that we can't pay. We need to turn from them. Put our trust in one who can pay the fine for us. And yes, God will wipe the slate clean. He'll forgive you of all of your sins, grant you everlasting life, and set your feet on a path headed toward a higher direction. That's different than God allows you. To, God allows U-turns. God, look, you, you've been making some mistakes. Don't worry about it. God allows a U-turn. So just, you know, U-turn. I'm surprised the anti-repenter people weren't after that. Hey, we can't U-turn. <laughs> this book, I do. it was just, it was so popular, which it should be a little bit of a hat tip to us to go, wait or hand tip to us to go, wait a second, if this thing is really popular in evangelicalism, I wonder if it isn't just another trend. And indeed it was. It wasn't as big a trend as purpose-driven life. Prayer of Jabez or one of its spin-offs. The Oxcode of Shamgar. You remember that attempt to try to sell a lot of books? I can only imagine. Some guy, he was wanting he was wanting to maybe write a book, and he sees that the prayer of Jabez, which is a verse, ripped out of context, was wildly popular. Hey, honey. I uh, want to write a book, and I'm just thinking, I wonder if there are any of those other Old Testament verses that I could just snatch right out of there and, you know, twist it all over the place, put it into a book and sell millions of copies. Well, I think you should try, dear. And so he dusted off his Old Testament, went scraping around, and he finds the ox goat of Shamgar, turns it into a book. Wa in la, it bombed. That one, I don't think that one did anything, but it was, Just a terrific example of the pragmatic efforts that we go through with the evangelical industry to try to reach people with stuff that just doesn't help them. Jimmy, the Uxcoat of Shamgar. Uh Would you be kind enough to Google that? I will. All righty. Let's just see when that bad boy was published and see if we can find out what Bible verse it is, the way we took that concept 1877282 Street sign just love everyone i'll sort them out later god yeah uh, yeah he will yeah. okay i think you know what i wonder i am wondering if i need to do a church search, church sign purge <laughs> just cuz there i'm finding them He's so agitating. Right. Yes, we should love everyone. Okay, so that's a command. You could, yep, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. God will sort it out later. Yep, great white throne judgment. Okay, yeah, but yeah, yeah, you could say that's where it was informed, but is it clear? And one other thought about this before we, did you find the ox code of Shamgar? Can't wait for this bad boy. I did. The love everyone. That is not nice news. I Liberals love love and tell you to love. And if we just love and what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And if we just love one another and be nice and be kind. Law, 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 law. We can't love enough. We can't love everyone. We can't love our neighbor as ourselves. We've got too many neighbors, especially these days. You maybe even have a bunch of friends on YouTube we fall short. That's a law. That's not a good news sort of thing. That's a command. Don't let people tell you that love is this. That's what Christianity is all about. That's the essence of Christianity. It's about loving your neighbor. Love, love God and love your neighbor. No, that's not the essence of Christianity. The essence of Christianity is. Let's see. Hold on. Hold um, Oh, yeah, it's buried right in the name. Christ. It's, a, it's about Christ and his redemptive work. one 282 beep You got the ox code? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. It's, it's from Judges 331. All
1: right. Okay. What about the book? I found two possibilities. <laughs> and there's one from 2009, Shamgar and the ox code. And then there is the three, six, uh, the three success secrets of
2: Shamgar. Oh, the yeah. three success secrets of Shamgar. <laughs> yes. Oh, please click on that one. Oh, please. All right. I got Judges 3. 31 here. It's one verse. He does get a headline, Shamgar. It's what it's, that's that, that's inserted, by the way, to help you have breaks so you can find stuff. So here's the verse on Shamgar, which spawned apparently two books. After him, who's him? Ehud. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Okie dokie, then, that got turned into three success secrets from from Shamgar. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's a motivational book that Uh shows with biblical
1: wisdom that life isn't what you have, but what you make the make of the opportunity Oh,
2: with just a single ox look what shamgar (laughs) could do be like shamgar how do i what was shamgar like was he it's a book of judges kind of a dicey section of scripture to look for role models okay what else do we learn uh it's start where you are Mm.
1: use these are the secrets these are the three secrets start where you are use what you have
2: and do what you can oh absolutely (laughs) all of that from shamgar Is that the point of that verse? No, it isn't even close to the point of the verse. Let's remember the cycle and what's going on in Judges. The people are sinning. God punishes them. They call it for mercy. He sends a judge to deliver them. They fall away. Wash, rinse, repeat. Shamgar comes along and deals with the enemy of Israel, the Philistines, and apparently killed 600 people. How can a man do that? Is it by starting where you are? Putting your mind to it and just do the best you can. No, use what you have and do the best you can. He had an ox go. I That should be alliterated. That's why this book didn't sell. It would have sold. I'm so sorry this fellow didn't call me. If he had just alliterated the thing, you would have had thousands, at least, of Southern Baptists who would go, I got to. Lifeway would have sold it. it <laughs> most certainly. <laughs> the point of the verse is, wow, God sent to deliver. God did this. No man can do that. That's supernatural. You just read about a miracle. And it was God who dealt with the enemies of Israel, not Shamgar and his ox code. one 282 Church sign.
1: Don't make me come down there. Quote God.
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. That's uh, short. It's what it is. It's short. Do I understand how that sign was informed? Yes, because God is going to come. How exactly? Is he going to come like a dad who says, don't make me come down there, or don't make me come up there, or don't make me turn this van around? Is that the way that God is returning? 1 Thessalonians and Romans 2, same lingo. Why? Same author. Jesus Christ is going to return. Uh... God is going to pour out his anger and his wrath on everybody who refuses to repent, who practices evil deeds and lives for themselves. There'll be trouble and calamity on that day. Don't make me come down there. It's not even close. (laughs) Would the church be heretical for putting up that sign? No, but they're not helping. They don't turn God into kind of a crabby dad who's at the end of his rope because we aren't at the Wisconsin Dells yet because we keep needing to pull over for you kids going to the bathroom all the time. No, God is earnest with his righteous judgment. And the Lord Jesus is going to return in flames of fire to pour out his wrath. If you want to talk about God returning, Talk about God returning the way the Bible talks about God returning and not via a cutesy schmootsy pseudo-clever church sign. This is your prophet, Todd, signing off. I'm telling you, I could write a book now myself because I nailed my prophecy. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.